everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I just want to welcome everyone who's joining us today and and listening and trying to learn about how to stop the madness in your home with all these screens that are taking over and your poor kids that are just getting so stressed and anxious. Let me just say that if you are overwhelmed with the job of managing all these screens, you're not alone and you are in the right place. And my heart really goes out to you. I know the struggle so well. We used to struggle, I think, every day with some sort of argument around that video game and and just different screens in our home. And if you follow this community, you will know that I don't have that struggle anymore. And I wish you could see me. I have the biggest smile on my face right now because I am so excited to have figured out how to get our kids back. And it's just so fabulous. You know, I don't want you to think that we don't have any problems in our house. Of course we do. We're family like anybody else, but we have this screen thing figured out. And my mission is to share as much as I know and as much of the stories I can find out there to just share all this with you so you don't have to go through the same pain and suffering that that we went through. So before we get started with our guests, because we have some fabulous guests today, I'm so excited about this topic as I always am so excited to bring great education to everyone. I just want to say a few things. Just this week, as I was trying to answer some Facebook posts from our group and from some other groups, it hit me again that if we could just take all the time that we are spending on trying to manage our teenager smartphones, if we just bottle that time up and spend that time with our teens, we would be in a very different world and our kids would be so much healthier and happier and they would get more sleep for sure. (laughs) But just think about all the time that you're spending in anguish over this issue, just the time that you're spending researching how to lock down your phone, how to make it safer for your kids, how much time you're spending really kind of arguing with them and the conflict in your home. You know, if we would just take all that time and invest it in our kids, we'd be in a better place. And the other thing I was thinking that, and I have this thought all the time, is that if we just followed the phone company laws that said, don't buy a smartphone for our kids and you know, till they were old enough. And what I mean by that is you, you can't go buy a smartphone um, from any of the big carriers unless you sign a contract and you have to be 18. So isn't it just one of these things that we're missing in our culture? It's just simple. It's like common sense. If we just waited and if we didn't buy the stuff for our kids and if we just let them get a phone when they were old enough, if they could sign their own contract, <laughs> we would eliminate all these problems, or at least most of these problems. I have a theory that if we all just put our screen away at five o'clock, if we just could like shut the lids and put the screens away at five o'clock and have the rest of our evening to be with each other as a family, I think I just read it was 37 minutes is the total amount of time that we spend with our family together on any given weeknight. That's obviously not enough. If we could just put everything away at five o'clock after we're done with our job, wouldn't it be so, our lives would just be so much easier. We would be so much more connected to our kids and our kids would be so much healthier. 
again, the world would be an amazing place. But I know that that's not really what's going to happen. I know that we can't put our screens away at five, but this brings me sort of to our topic today of when should we put our screens away? We're going to find out the science around that and around how it's not only just hurting us as adults, but it's really hurting our kids when they never put their screens away. Let me just say, you you know, when you read all the stuff about screens, that some organizations agree that you should just uh, not let your teenager deal with all this because it will make them so stressed. And then there's some organizations that say, no, you need to give them all this screen time so they can learn how to use it. And I'm not going to unpack that right now. But what I am going to say is that we all agree, all of us, all of the organizations out there, we agree on a couple things. And one of them is that we should never let our kids take their devices in their bedrooms. Now, I realize this is like the list that says, okay, you should be exercising three times a week and you should be drinking eight glasses of water and that your kids should be eating vegetables and doing their chores. So I get that, that there's all these standards out there. And I think that everybody would nod in perfect agreement. In fact, I think some parents would say, well, my kids don't have their phones in their bedrooms. And I'm just going to give you a little bit of reality right now because, you know, that's what I do. I'm, I'm good at that. I'm going to tell you that if your child and your teenager has a smartphone, they will have it in their bedroom, period. If you think that you can keep your child from having um, their smartphone in their bedroom, it's it's just, I mean, I don't want to offend you. I'm, I'm not trying to judge or anything out there. I'm just telling you in the ebb and flow of life, that's just not reality. They will have it in their bedroom. Maybe they will put it on the kitchen counter before you go to bed. But after you go to bed, you know, they haven't gone to bed yet. They're going to go down and get it. And they're good kids. And I'm not saying that they're just lying to you for no reason, but I'm just telling you, mom, I just want you and dad too. I want you to kind of put that blind spot aside and get the reality in your head that if your kids have smartphones and tablets and all this stuff, the, the, it's not even just the chances. I guess we have to say the odds are greater. They're going to have it in the bedroom. And I remember a story a mom told me about her son. Um, she was coming to our workshops and she said, you know, I don't know what's wrong with him. He's not getting any sleep. He's falling asleep at school. The teachers are calling me. Literally his head is on the desk. He's in ninth grade. He's falling asleep. I don't understand. I make a real big point to make sure he doesn't take his phone up in his room and all this stuff. Well, turned out she found out one night when she happened to go down in the kitchen at 2 a.m. that she saw, sure enough, his phone is plugged in. There's the cord. It's all plugged in. She said, I don't even understand why he's not getting any sleep and he's staying up so late. So she goes over and she picks it up and lo and behold, it was just the case. <laughs> so every night this child was plugging in his phone case and he was taking his phone upstairs. Of course, does this shock us? No, everyone say, no, this doesn't shock us because phones are like drugs for kids and they crave this activity, especially at night. And I'm so excited that we're going to jump in and find out about why, why is this happening? Why are they still up when you are going to bed. Why? Like in my house, I have two 17 year old boys. I can hardly make it before I'm crashing and they're still running around the house. Like they have all these things to do. So this is why I'm saying if your teenager has a smartphone, it may be on the kitchen counter when you go to bed, 
but not when they go to bed. You know, for many years, I was the game cop mom in our house. That's what my job was. I was the game cop mom. I had to set the timer on the kitchen timer about when my child was getting on and off his video games. And as you know, I'm no longer the game cop mom. I am retired from that job. I have a new job and my new job is the sleep police. I am the sleep police in our house. Because as I started doing all this research on screens a number of years ago, I started realizing how intimately sleep was linked to the problems and the anxiety and all these terrible chronic stress and all the stuff that our kids are going through. So today I am going to introduce to you Heather and Julie. Heather and Julie, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having us. Heather, start with you. Introduce yourself so we can identify your voice and give us a little bit about your background. Sure. I am Heather Turgeon. I am a psychotherapist. I live in Los Angeles. Julie and I are partners. We are sleep specialists. We've been helping families with sleep for many, many years. Our first book is about baby sleep. And um, we go up through um, early childhood in that one. And now we've moved on to teen sleep. So our babies are growing up and we, um, we collaborate with each other cross country. Julie's in New York City. So that's, that's what we do. And we have a new book called Generation Sleepless and it's about teenagers. Oh my gosh. It's so great. Julie, let us hear from you a second. Yeah, so much of what Heather and I have to say overlaps. We're both psychotherapists. We're both sleep specialists. We're we've co. This is our third book that we've co-authored. Our second book is focusing on empathic communication. So in Generation Sleepless, we bring our expertise with empathic communication in difficult moments together with our sleep, you know, inclination to help parents of teenagers and. As you can imagine, you know, it really helps the the improved communication and connection and empathy really helps with, you know, getting sleep on board for teenagers. We can't control them and, and be in charge the way we were able to when they were younger. Right. That makes so much sense. And I just never really connected those two thoughts, sleep and empathy. I mean, I mean, that's just kind of mind blowing to me because I know exactly what you're talking about. I know from having four kids that, you know, a lot of times their behavior is linked to something behind the scenes. And that's definitely what we're seeing in today's culture. So the book again is Generation Sleepless, Why Tweens and Teens Aren't Sleeping Enough and How We Can Help Them. I think it's fascinating that both of y'all figured out that we had to write this book, right? That you had to write it, that it was necessary for our culture right now. When we talk about the ways that screen time and screen overuse hurts our kids, we mention things like desensitization and loss of self-worth and identity. And of course, all the content out there that's really hurting them. One of the biggest things is their loss of imagination and their ability to, to play and to be empathetic. But There is a fourth thing that's huge, and that is the loss of sleep. So for our audience out there listening, you may not have ever really thought about this that much, really, right? I mean, you're just trying to get dinner on the table. You're just trying to get them out the door for school. You're not thinking 
so much about sleep, but I'm telling you, you've got to start thinking about sleep the way you think about their diet and exercise and everything else. So I want Heather and Julie to just start with talking about the science behind the teen brain and why sleep is so important to them, because this is just fascinating when you understand this. So let's jump into that a minute about the biology. Who wants to take it? Who wants to take that first question? Um, I could, I could take that one. So the teenage sort of, I would, we would call it a, a crisis of sleep loss is really acute right now. Teenagers, the average, um, the average teenager needs about nine hours of sleep per night. That's if you had them, you know, under optimal conditions, you allowed them to sleep to their brain's desire, they would sleep about nine hours most. Wait, I just I just have to stop you for a minute. Wait, just hold on. Okay, just hold on. Nine hours. All right. So I have this theory that when kids get to be teenagers, um, they do a U-turn and they start acting like toddlers again. So that kind of is lining up with my theory about their sleep. They start eating every three hours again too. And now now they need nine hours. It's so true. And yeah, that's actually it's it's really true. And it, it, the way to think about it is like there's two moments in development where sleep is imperative. The first one is toddlerhood, you know, where the brain is exploding with growth and the body is is growing and kids are changing so much. The second one is teenagehood because their brains and bodies as we know from the outside when we when we look at them, we can see it, their brains are remodeling to such an extent that their need for sleep goes up again. So it's amazing how much teenagers have almost just this high thirst for sleep because during sleep is when their brains do most of the remodeling and pruning. Pruning is basically like refining the brain and strengthening the brain. It happens mostly when they're sleeping. And during teenagehood, they're just experiencing this whole new phase of brain remodeling and their need for sleep actually goes up. So it's amazing when researchers bring teenagers into a lab, for example, and they let them sleep as much as they want. The first few nights, teenagers will sleep 12 hours because, first of all, because they have so much debt, sleep debt built up. Most teenagers, you know, are, are very sleep deprived. So they'll sleep about 12 hours. And then after they've filled up on sleep, they'll sleep about nine. Wow. And so when you consider that the average high school senior in the United States sleeps six and a half hours a night, every, every night of the school week, you're talking about two and a half hours per night or 10, 12 hours by the end of the week that they're missing. Can they catch up? Like, can we just sleep all weekend? Yeah, basically, no, because what happens is, and this is really, I mean, this is the number one, you know, question that we get from families is like, how much should I let my teenager sleep in on the weekend? Or, you know, if they're older teenagers, it's not about how much you let them sleep in, but how much they decide to sleep in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They, if they sleep in you know, a lot, they basically go into a state of social jet lag where their their brain clocks are now so out of sync with what they're expected to do during the week that they kind of get a, a case of jet lag, which is pretty bad for, for you to have chronic jet lag, you know, every weekend. So it tends to be like they feel pretty good when they sleep in on the weekend. They feel good that day, but it kind of comes back around to steal their sleep on Monday when they then can't fall asleep on Sunday night because they've been sleeping in and they get they have you know even more sleep deprivation on Sunday night and feel worse on Monday. 
okay, so they have the sleep debt where they're not getting enough, but then I, but then they're having the jet lag, which that kind of makes sense. I feel so strongly that the reason why, or one of the, I guess I, I could say the, not, it's not the only reason, but they're so distracted with their screens that when they go to bed, like you can think they're even in their room and if, and they're on their phones or, you know, they're not sleeping. I remember when my daughter was in a sport that I was a chaperone for one of the trips they took. And I was in the hotel room with a bunch of girls that were probably 14 or 15 years old, which I, I highly do not recommend doing that. But, um, but I did because, and this is why the reason why, because their phones were going off all night in this hotel room. Like I couldn't sleep. And I'm thinking, how can these kids sleep? Their phones are buzzing all night. So they're not getting anywhere near nine hours. Go back just for a second and give us a little more because we're moms and dads out there. We need, we need some kind of ammunition. Okay. We, we need some more brain facts. Give us some more facts around why sleep is so important. Like to the brain itself. Talk about the brain because that tends to get our attention. Well, aside from what Heather mentioned about the enormous amount of remodeling and restructuring that's going on, we know how many aspects of our ability to function well during the day are affected when we don't sleep enough. So not only is all this remodeling and restructuring not going well, but we also know that our moods decline, our outlook on life declines, anxiety and depression rise. Mm. We also know that not sleeping enough affects our immune system, so we become more prone to illnesses. We know that it affects our, um, our body's ability to find a stable weight. I, just, I was just reading this mm. week about how when we don't get enough sleep, we're likely to take in more calories than usual the following day. We know that our focus and concentration and memory and ability to take interest in learning and anything else we want to be you know, part of, any creative process we want to be part of, all of that declines mm. when we don't get enough sleep. We know that our relationships decline and our ability to communicate. Often we, Heather and I like to talk about pulling people away from normalizing teens as being sullen or unresponsive or grouchy and perhaps starting with the idea that that maybe they're exhausted yeah. and a yeah. good place to start. Like you mentioned, it's very foundational. Sleep is foundational like air and water and food. And often when we can help teens to get the sleep they need, we see a myriad of benefits. It's not just one benefit. It's all of these areas. And then you have a better idea where the teen might need more help. If, if you're still seeing problems in a certain area, oh, maybe maybe your daughter needs you know help with, with math understanding or relationship conflict. But until you address sleep, you, you really don't have an idea of what the true problem is. So in the brain then on just a, on a neuronal level. And I, I have, 
you know, a number of years ago, I did a little bit of research on this and I don't know what you think about this theory. I just read different things about how at night your, your brain is actually detoxing itself. So there's like the, I can't remember exactly that just sort of washes it through. And if you're not getting enough sleep, then you have the toxins from the chronic stress and all that from the day. Is that correct? Is that true? Yeah, that is definitely true. That's kind of a more recent discovery that scientists made that there is this system of detox going on in the brain at night and it it only happens during sleep. So the buildup of toxins and byproducts of all the activity that your brain has during the day gets cleared out when you sleep. So if the if you don't have sufficient time to do that, then you don't, you know, it's it's part of why we have, you know, such a fog when we don't when we don't sleep well, it's part of um, why the brain doesn't operate as well when we're not sleeping enough. Well, good. Cause that's what I've been telling my kids. I was hoping it was right. So <laughs> I've been telling them your brain needs to wash itself at night and get rid of all the toxins. It's so true. And there's so many things that can be seen by brain scans. When people, when teenagers don't sleep enough, they tend to have an overactive amygdala. So the, the emotional center of the brain, that's kind of like the fight or flight, kind of more negative emotions that center of the brain is more active and there's less of a connection between the frontal lobes, which are wise and soothing and kind of make us organize our our brain. Um, The connections between the emotional brain and the wise brain are less strong. That's a big big warning flag out there for everybody listening that let me just explain what you know what she just said that you do not want any compromising going on around that frontal cortex okay you want as much of that to be used as possible (laughs) so anything that's creating a a conflict there we want to get rid of yeah when you say with the overactive amygdala that is the description of the teenage years. It is, I know. Yeah, the frontal cortex is your friend. The frontal cortex helps you make good decisions. It helps you balance your emotions and all of that. It gives you perspective on life. And so, yes, the the frontal cortex is your teenager's friend. Yeah, so, so just remember that parents that are listening and, and talk about just for a second, I might be putting you here a little bit on the spot, but I'm sure I'm, I'm not since this is your, your expert field here, but the memory processes when you sleep are also enhanced. I've been telling my, um, my kids that too, in order for them to do better on the test, you have to study and then you have to sleep because if you don't sleep long enough, then your brain can't organize all that wonderful knowledge you took in from today. And it kind of wasted. So yeah. explain a little bit about how sleep is important for memory retention. Yep. That's absolutely true. I would say there's two super important facets of life for teenagers in sleep. One is emotional, you know, how you feel, which is what we just talked about, your mood. But the second one is is learning and academics. So when you don't sleep well, the the center of the brain called the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that takes information that comes into your brain as short-term memory and it logs it into long-term memory. So um, when you study for a test and you cram in a bunch of facts, if you don't sleep well, those facts don't turn into long-term memory as efficiently. So this is why it's usually better for people. And sometimes you can learn it and cram it in and not sleep well. And in the short term, you spit it back out on the test the next morning and you're okay. 
because it didn't go into long-term memory, but at least it at least it stuck around enough for you to spit it back out on the test. But then, you know, a week from a week later or a month later, you have no memory of what you studied. <laughs> no. What a waste. Oh my I gosh. Know. That's such a waste. And um, yeah, that's just in time for the final exam, right? right. You can't remember right. what you did. And then you're cramming the night before. While we're on that subject, talk about that a second. What isn't there just like a point in time where this cramming thing just isn't going to work and you just need to go to, to bed? I mean, I, I mean, staying up till two, like, does it matter if your teenager gets the nine hours, you know, early? Like I always heard that every hour before midnight was like two after midnight. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, it's really, I mean, you need the, your, your deep sleep happens in the beginning of the night. So and your more of your light sleep and your REM sleep, which is like your dreams, they happen towards morning. And unfortunately, there is no part of that that you can sacrifice. So it's not that there's no what it's not that one is more important than the other. They each have specific functions. So no matter what, if you don't sleep your full night, you're, you're missing out on a certain type of sleep that is essential for either emotional or learning yeah, there's something happens at the beginning and something happens at the end. So you have to get the full nine hours. You can't mm. try to cram it all in. Okay. Well, that's just great because <laughs> I think my kids are missing on some stuff. And, you know, we have a game-free home and we have a smartphone-free home for kids under 18 in our house. And so they're not distracted by that, but many, many kids are. What is happening with the screen overuse. And I mean, I, I, I just feel so defeated over it sometime because I don't know how we're going to reverse it. Right. Unless you, you become a screen strong family. Seriously. I mean, I'm not saying ours is the only way, but it really is the best way <laughs> not to have the distractions of all this. And, you know, you only got 48 months of uh, high school. It's really not that long, but talk about how screens are interfering with teenage sleep. And it starts in the tween years too, for sure. Yeah, it really does. And we like to meet families where they are. Sometimes if we meet families with tweens, you know, younger teens, we like to really encourage them to hold on to the limits around screens and bedtimes and routines and not. We find that parents tend to let go of those way too quickly. And mm. it really helps because we're forming habits and we're giving ourselves time for our, our teenagers to start to understand the reasons behind these rules. Whether you have a young teenager or an older teenager, we always start with empathy. We start with building understanding so that we can give our teens the feeling that we want them to be self-motivated to to value sleep and to take steps to improve their sleep. We know that just telling them what to do or just trying to hold on to rules as parents sure. is not going to be effective and isn't going to give them the skills they need as they grow up and move out of the house. We want them to understand the reasons why. And, and we also want to help them connect to something that's meaningful to them. So it might be building stronger muscles so that they can perform better on a sports team. It might mean something related to academic success, something they really want to do better at. It might have to do with how they look or, you know, wanting to grow taller. So trying to sort of talk to them in a way 
that helps us connect to what might motivate them. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have rules in the home and every family has to, you know, we have to work with each family Mm -hmm. from where they are now to try to start to increase rules around parking phones and having it be a family process. We love to encourage families to have family meetings where we're not just pointing the finger at one person and saying, you know, you need to do this, but, but coming up with agreements as a family for evening routines, parking devices, maybe even having a, an engaging or pleasurable thing that they can do together as a family as part of their their wind down or bedtime routine where they might they might watch a 30 minute TV show in the living room, you sure. know, on a TV from the distance and then they might have a little chat or a snack. Building new routines that, you know, for those of us who certainly have been alive, you know, before smartphones ever existed, these are not new routines to us. We're, right. we're going back to routines that that feel familiar to those of us who 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 didn't have smartphones or the internet when we were younger. So a lot of it has to do with building new habits, but a lot of it also has to do with helping teens to organize their time and to have empathy for the fact that they are overscheduled. Most teenagers have way too much homework, an unreasonable amount of homework. Some have jobs. Some are worried about you know, showing lots of activities on their college applications. So we really want to help parents and teens understand that there are factors at play that are not their fault. You know, they 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 don't have control over how much homework they get or, you know, what they're trying to do for their college applications. They also don't have control over the fact that they're at a time in life when they're their biological clocks are entering a normal sleep phase delay, which means they're just not tired as early. They Their melatonin releases later and they're just not tired as early. So their natural bedtime is going to be later. And then the other factor that squeezes their sleep on the other end is school start times that are typically too early. So we're in a you know, our teens are in a situation where their sleep is being squeezed from both ends by all of these factors. And when you add screens to that, mm-hmm. you have so many factors that make it very hard for them to not want their screens. At the end of a long day, they've done all these activities, they've done all this homework, they haven't had any downtime or social time, and screens as we know, are, are addicting and they're engaging and they create a state of flow that makes it hard for teenagers to have any idea how much time has passed. So they take all of these other factors. We call this the perfect storm of factors, the academic overload, the the early school start times, the, um, the sleep phase delay. And, and now technology comes in and takes this even further into the night and just steals more sleep from from them. So it's really a big problem. And it's something that we like to tell teenagers, you know, big tech doesn't have your best interests in mind when they design all of this and when they design the games and the logarithms that keep us engaged and keep us scrolling and keep us watching the next video. So 
one thing that can be helpful is to give them a little bit of a behind the scenes look at, you know, capitalism and big tech and what do do they really want from their life? And do they really want to be under the throes of something created by a company that doesn't really care about them? Right. No, absolutely. And and they're actually um, creating a platform where teenagers are really learning to hate themselves because they're being fed all all these things, but it's just kind of like big tobacco too. You know, we don't have to buy cigarettes, right? So, you know, we don't have to be the, the victim around all this. And this is what I tell my teenagers here as well. And I, I, I love what you said about habits. We know a lot about habits and we know how the brain is craving habits because the brain is constantly trying to do to get the most reward for the less effort, right? That's that's how it's set up. And it is super important to create really good habits around the things that are important to you as a family and the things that you value. And I think one really big misconception that people get around setting screen limits and trying to restructure your, your kids' habits around screens is they look at it from this aspect that, oh, this is just a very difficult thing to do or limits are bad and limits are hard and we got to power through these limits. And when you choose the screen strong lifestyle where you're, you're hitting that big pause button button and you're delaying the use of smartphones in particular, it's not like a constant fight in your home. It's not like, oh, we're fighting and we have all these limits and it's all this negativity. It it actually is the most positive thing ever because what happens is you take sort of the the thing that was causing this this problem during this stage of development. We're not saying forever, we're saying during the stage of development. And what naturally happens is your kids visit with you more in the evening. You naturally spend more time together as a family. You naturally go to bed earlier. My kids are not up all night getting buzzes and dings from their phones because they have alarm clocks in their room. They have like real alarm clocks. They don't have to have a phone to be their alarm clock. You know, so I think it's such a misconception. I just wanted to throw that in there that as you build screen habits, it's not like the mean parents and in the very depressing homes, you know, and it's like, oh, I got all these limits around my screen. It's quite the opposite. It is Mm -hmm. absolutely the opposite. And I think the empathy, I mean, we know kids that in general that don't have access to social media and smartphones all the time, they are more empathetic because they are actually having more FaceTime with friends and you know, it's, they're able to build that muscle a little bit more. And then what you said about homework, oh my goodness, I hear this all the time and and it is true, but I do know that kids who don't have smartphones actually get their homework done a lot faster. Obviously when you don't have something buzzing and binging at you all the time, you're going to focus a little more and get your homework done. So that in comp, all that combination really does help with sleep because your homework is done and now you can just get your novel that you're reading and go up to your room, you know, turn your book light on and enjoy winding down that way. Mm-hmm. So I do, I do recommend that you, that everybody listening, that you be sure um, to get an alarm clock for your kids <laughs> so they don't have to mm-hmm. use their phone in there. And mm-hmm. then also we just recommend a little book light too. What do you think about that as we start to wrap up here? What, what are some tips and ideas to help our kids wind down 
get the sleep they need and and just be refreshed in the morning. What are the tips that you have for that? Yeah, so much of what you said overlaps with um, with our book and the concepts that we. I basically what I'm hearing from the first thing that you said is when you remove technology, your natural skills and instincts and drive as a human being come out. So mm-hmm. the the drive to play, the the connection. We call it in the book. We call it vitamin C. That if kids have vitamin C for connection. It improves so many things in life. Let me just interrupt real quick because I don't want people to think that we are like anti-technology. That's not it, of course. It is just some very specific uses that tend to have the the bulk of the problems, right? So Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear on that, that it's not that you can't watch TV. Even a TV show for 30 minutes at night is fine. It's not any of that or using laptops. It's that very specific use of the screens that become very toxic during this time of development. Yeah, absolutely. It is such a such a sensitive time of development. Right. So yeah, and we we recommend what we tell parents to think about and teens to think about is what we call paleo sleep. So if you imagine that human beings evolved, you know, with natural light and darkness, and now we are so with our modern, you know, lights in the home and technology, we're so removed from that. All the things that you can do in the home to sync yourself back up with natural light and darkness are going to help. So when it comes to smartphones, it does mean putting them away. We usually recommend that if people have smartphones, they put them away an hour or two before bedtime. And I, I was just laughing so hard when you said the, the example of the of the teenager who had the case that was charged. I mean, we have heard stories like that so many times. Really? So, oh my God. And then getting morning sunlight is also really, really important. And that kind of relates to what we were saying about sleeping in. If your teen can wake up within an hour or maybe the maximum would be two hours after their normal wake up time during the week. So if they have to wake up for school at seven, um, if they're awake by eight or nine on Saturday and Sunday, and they can go outside and get about five to 30 minutes of sunlight, and that even applies when you're, you know, when it doesn't appear to be sunny, the sun through the clouds is, is much stronger than your home light. Being outside for five to 30 minutes will basically keep you in sync with the day. So your brain clock is staying in sync. It makes it easier to fall asleep at night. So we're talking about trying to stack the deck in their favor for being able to fall asleep at a good, healthy bedtime. Waking up and getting that morning light is a really important habit. Wow. I love your your tip is coinciding with my idea of let's just put all the phones away when they get home from school, right? <laughs> they can do their homework. Yeah. They don't have to be stimulated by all that screen time and they can read their book and go to bed and not have all the blue light and all the other confusing stuff. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that lines right up with that. As far as a way of encouraging parents that are listening, what are some Maybe both of y'all, if you can come up with just a couple things that you would like to leave our audience with as far as sleep, because there's a lot of parents out there that are feeling so discouraged. They're exhausted themselves. They're overwhelmed. They're dealing with a lot of screen arguments. They might be dealing with a screen dependency problem or an addiction problem. They're trying to maybe see a therapist. They're trying to 
deal with that. And now they come on today and they hear, oh my goodness, this is another area that I'm failing in. My kids are only getting five hours of sleep. How can we encourage these parents? I know I've been there and it's like one more thing. How are they going to get their teenagers to go to bed early and how can we encourage them? Yes, we have so much empathy for parents. And one of the main goals in our book is to not point the finger at parents mm -hmm. for solving this sleep issue. Because when you think about the perfect storm, you know, there are aspects of it that parents don't have control over. But what we also say is even a 30-minute increase in your teen's nightly sleep and a move toward a more regular bedtime will really make a big difference. So looking for small wins mm. and starting to put some wind down and bedtime routines into place, finding some, some things you can bring back as a family to do together. All of these things can be really pleasurable. And we also really believe in, you know, like I said earlier, just working on your communication and helping your teen feel like you're on the same team and you really want to help them mm -hmm. reach their goals. So working together as a family, I'm sure you talk a lot about parents modeling their own screen use and not having their phone as an appendage that's with them all the time. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of, you know, looking at, at yourself as a parent and talking to your teen, maybe even with a little sense of self-deprecating humor, these things can go a long way and saying like, let's, let's do a sleep challenge together. Let's, let's see how we can, you know, start to all get a little bit more sleep. So there are lots of ideas in the book. And the last thing we want to do is make parents right. feel worse. We, we really want to help, but we also want parents to know that our book is a call out, an alarm bell to society at large. So, we want them to feel like the book is really designed not only to give parents and families lots of tools, but we want to we want to hold society responsible for this issue as well. Excellent. Exactly. We have chapters for schools. We really feel like if you think about all the systems that support teenagers, school, sports teams, you know, all these things, we want them all to think of sleep as being a priority instead of something that's kind of left over. The way that, that most families are stuck with relating to sleep is that it's like a leftover. It's the thing that you do when everything else is done. Mm -hmm. And what we want is for not just families to feel like they can put sleep forward as a priority, but also that they have the support from the sports team that also puts sleep forward. Mm -hmm. So what would that look like? That would mean that, you know, lacrosse practice is over by 7 p.m. or, you know, happens right after school or doesn't happen really early in the morning. And sports, we, we want coaches to be thinking about how sleep actually impacts, you know, athletic performance. It raises your endurance. It makes you react quicker. So we want, we want coaches to be thinking, oh, wow, I do have to prioritize sleep and um, talk to my athletes about this. And that's just one example of what we mean by a societal shift. So we do want, we do want families to change habits, but we want them to be supported by right. all the other parts of teen life, you know? 
Well, and you're exactly right. We have a lot of adults, caring adults in our children's lives, and they have to um, also be educated as well. Um, And what you're talking about is raising awareness around this. We are so thankful that you're out there doing that and putting this wonderful information together. I love the idea of just paying attention to the small wins and not to get overwhelmed with this huge job now of being the sleep police in your house. I mean, I really do feel like the sleep police. I like that job better than the game cop mom actually, but (laughs) it keeps me aware. And so for parents that are listening, you know, put this in your, your tool kit here and know that as you structure your children's lives and then as they get into their um, teenage lives, that they still need a lot of structure. That as you structure that day around dinner, that you are looking at the clock and you're getting things done early. You're helping them manage their time around all their homework. You're helping them. You're not doing it for them, of course, but you're you're a coach and you're coaching them and you're saying, okay, that novel is due next week. Have you figured out when you're going to have time to read it? So we're not staying up till three o'clock the night before. So you, this is what good coaches do and understanding about the brain and sleep and all of this has, is a very, very big part of raising teenagers today. So we are so so, so thankful that Heather and Julie, that both of y'all have joined us. I know that by coming on today that you have really helped a lot of families and in the show notes, we'll have information, some more information on, on your book. Again, I can't stress enough the importance of parents getting this information, getting this education. And so you can share it with your own communities. Uh, you know, when you mentioned the thing about sports and sleep, all of our children have done sports. And so in our new course that we have, a Screen Strong course that we have, we have a whole little section on the value of sleep and sports. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. Thank you both so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for your time. This was great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you again so much. And I hope that everyone enjoyed listening today, that you've taken some good notes. And and I quite frankly, mom and dad, you probably need a little more sleep yourself. I think we all need more sleep in this age of technology where the sleep deprivation is one thing that nobody thought about at first, that it was going to really create so many problems. But just like food, when we can get our kids eating the right food, um, we can get them getting enough sleep we're going to have happier kids. If you are wanting to figure out how to detox your kids a little bit from all of this, and if you want to get your kids back, please, please go to our website and look at our seven-day detox. You can do that right away just to get you started. We also have a 30-day detox. And again, I mentioned the course. The course is fabulous. This is where you sit down with your spouse, but also you can take this course into your schools. You can start a little small group. If you really want to do some reorganizing around how you're using screens in your house. The Kids, Brains, and Screens course is a great way to go. If you want to um, actually join our community and and do presentations for Screen Strong, you can. You can become an ambassador. We have that program as well. You can email us at team at screenstrong.com. So what is your homework today? Your homework is to share this podcast with five of your friends. We have to get the word out about how screens are not really helping our teenagers as much as we were hoping they would. We have to get the word out because if we don't do it, we don't know who will. And we can't do this without you. 
and your other homework is to make sure your kids get to bed early tonight. And you might want to go take a nap right now. I feel like a nap is coming on. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.